Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Magic Wazoobies RPG Companion Podcast. The companion podcast that is all about RPGs, tabletop RPGs, and Dungeons and Dragons, where today we'll be discussing being a first-time DM. But before we get into that, let's get some announcements out of the way. Magic Wazoobie can be found on the following. On iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, you can find my YouTube channel by searching Magic Wazoobie on YouTube. We, you, If you want to be able to contact me, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Magic Wazubi on Twitter at Magic Wazubi and Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zubi. And if you want to email me with any questions you may have, you may email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com. And if you want to help support the show in any way possible, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash Magic Wazubi. And this show is also sponsored by legitmtg.com. If you are a Magic the Gathering player, you can check out legitmtg.com for any singles and sealed product they may have and shipping any order over two dollars or more has free shipping so if you're a fan of magic the gathering go ahead and check that out they also do care Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon products as well as some board games as well so thank you again for thank you again legitmtg for sponsoring this companion podcast here so today we are going to be discussing what being a first-time DM is like. Now, my first time I ever DM'd, so I think I mentioned in the first episode I've been playing D&D and RPGs in general since 2nd edition. I only played a little bit of 2nd edition. It was more my friends and I, we didn't really know the, well, we kind of knew the rules. We just didn't really follow them because, you know, we were kids. We tried to follow it as best we could. But my first real DM session was about 14, 15 years ago, and it was for a system. System, an RPG system my friend and I made that was sort of a mix of Final Fantasy Tactics meets D&D. And I do want to get deeper into that system in future episodes, but we'll just say, we'll just call it that for right now. Um, it was a very combat-focused game, and I, I just want to preface that to begin with. So, now, when we were first developing this system... You know, we were also trying to develop a campaign as well, or I wouldn't really say a campaign. It was more of a world. We were trying to not only develop this system of all these classes and races and make general gameplay to make sure it's fun and, and you know, rewarding. We're also trying to create this world that we want this game to live and thrive in. So I will say there wasn't the type of normal DM prep when it came to our first session with it. Um, so... I, I want to describe a little bit about the first session that we ever ran, and I will say, um, and this is something I feel that all DMs should do, is write down notes of everything that happened in the session. Now, you don't have to create, you know, elongated, very detailed notes. Now, I will give an example of just some of the notes. I mean, I'll give, like, some verbatim notes here, like my first entry in my notes that I ever made for this campaign, and while these this spans 50 pages long for just this one campaign, um, we played this campaign for like 10 years, right? Um, in the first set of notes was Guar, a Chaos Knight, Kror, an Animal Tamer, Venton, a Black Mage, and Sasaki, a Samurai, walk into the highway town of Sika. It is an average run-of-the-mill town. No one pays much attention to them because so many travelers come in and out of Sika. That's just the first little highlight of it now obviously your kind of dm notes may want to be a little bit more detailed than that but my my whole uh stance for taking notes is just really all right 
you you first for what I always try to do is I'll try to write down the notes right after the session happens because that's where my memory is very fresh or I'll do it the next day like if I'm DMing at night and I'm like oh I'm too tired to do the notes I'll do it first thing in the morning um so like I said just do some basic note taking um because it will help because if there are events that happen in the next session or two and you need to go back and figure out hey okay so the players did xyz in the first session and this caused you know the bad guy to start taking over the village they're at right just something like that um so essentially the first session was they come to this highway town and it's between the the town uh, or the kingdom of Mesidia, which was this magical kingdom right a, a kingdom that you know holds magic and high high praise and high honor um and it also had its own magic school and it was also between a really big and busy port town which i believe i called karnak if you're recognizing some of these names we did use a lot of final fantasy suikoden and general jrpg names um at the time because you know we we eventually wanted to create our own you know names for the world but we were we used a lot of final fantasy suikoden and okay lunar town names as placeholders until we came up with our own stuff um <laughs> but so anyways they come into this town and we start up with a very basic okay the town's blacksmith that his daughter got kidnapped you know by some what was it goblins or no 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 they got kidnapped by some thieves there's a thieves guild around and the blacksmith owed some money to the thieves guild so they took the daughter as payment and so the adventurers go and essentially go find the camp of where the thieves are at kill them all rescue the daughter and come back to town and um you know they get rewarded for the stay there so a lot of what happened in that session um probably the biggest thing that happened in that session there's actually two things right um, two things that happened that I found kind of funny at the time, but also one that was like, um, okay, you're really going to do that. So at what, after they go and rescue the daughter from the, the thieves, they come back to town and they see, and I did borrow a lot of monsters from D and D as well too. I didn't use their exact stats or their exact nature. It was just sort of, I sort of created my own. So they see some editor caps, um, you know, running off into the sewers or you know somewhere underground in um in the town and they decide to go follow him because they feel like oh no there's going to be an edder cap infestation so they go down to the sewers they they find where the edder cap edder caps are and edder caps if i remember correctly like to hang out around giant spiders so then they kill the giant spider they kill all the edder caps and one of and one of the players sasaki got covered in green goo everywhere and so what he decides to do is take one of the edder caps bodies and rubs his face on the body and rubs it all over his hair and all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, now you have ticks, right? Because edder caps aren't clean or anything like that. And um, and that right there sort of cemented my style of DMing. Um, because I had plans. I had sort of like these two quests in mind of what I wanted to do. But I've come to quickly learn that my style of DMing is probably a probably different or maybe similar to a lot of people is whatever you say you're gonna do in the game 
I'm going to take you at your word. You have to specify to me that you're saying something out of character or out of game, right? Or else I'm just going to assume that's what your character is going to do. Now, of course, that doesn't mean, hey, if the whole group is joking, like, hey, we're all kicking a dead horse, right? Um, you know, I, I understand that I can tell the difference between someone joking and someone, you know, maybe saying something that's out of character, right? Um, but I will say, like, hey, if you're going to say, oh, I'm going to go into this person's house. OK, well, there's probably going to be people living there and they're going to freak out that some random stranger walked into a house. And that's exactly what happened. So after um, the Sasaki character gets ticks, I tell him, you know, oh, you basically got to shave off your head. And he they he goes to someone who's like a medic or cleric or something. And the the cleric. Um, rolled really bad on trying to get rid of all the ticks and accidentally burned all his hair off so he's bald in the first session um, but what was really really interesting and this further cemented my style of DMing was one of the characters named Guar um, yes very good band decides to go into a random house and like I said earlier you this isn't exactly like Final Fantasy where, yeah, you do go into random people's houses and you just take their stuff, right? No, 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 no. The way I DM is, okay, you're going to go into some random person's house. There's most likely going to be a family living there and they freak out. So this this family sees this, I don't even remember what character Guar was or what race he was. I think he was like um, an orc or something or or a really big tall man or something like that. He was very, he was a threatening looking character because he was a chaos knight. Um, and the Guar basically refuses to leave the house because he wanted someplace to stay for the night. He didn't want to go to the inn like everyone else was at because he wanted to be different. Um, and it's not like the player was a jerk or anything like that. I just don't think he realized his actions would have consequences essentially. So he ends up killing the family and ends up getting arrested all on the first session. And like I said, that really cemented my style of DMing. And that's more of the, hey, we're going to have a fun time. I'm definitely of the type where I don't like to railroad players, right? Now, there's going to be obvious times where you're going to need, or not really need to railroad players, but you're going to want to railroad players because you want them to get to this really exciting section during the session or the campaign, right? Um, you want to sort of kind of nudge them along the right direction, right? So there's a lot of DM styles, and you, as a first-time DM, you really need to try to figure out and play around which way is yours. Um, you know, especially for a lot of first time DMs, maybe you're going to be running a pre-planned story like, say, a really popular one for first timers is Lost Minds of Fandelver. Lost Minds of Fandelver, Fan, Fandelver is a great set for first time DMs because it does a really good job holding a DM's hand on what to do. And it's even a fun adventure for even more experienced players and more experienced DMs as well, too. I had fun DMing it. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a nice change of pace because I didn't have to do a whole lot of prep for it, really. I just had to read ahead and just sort of like, okay, so my players are going to do this and that. And, you know, if they decide to do this instead of that, then I'll just make sure I include, you know, XYZ and stuff like that. Um, so, you know... Figuring out your type of DM style, are you the kind of railroad DM? Are you the kind of DM that wants to create a grand story and, you know, really suck your players in? Or do you want to be sort of the, what 
you know, D&D used to call the referee, where you just sort of describe a place and you say, okay, players, go do your thing, right? I am definitely of the style where I will describe a place. I will describe, hey, this is what's going on. What do you want to do, right? I'm not going to try to force you into anything as a player. I'm going to be like, okay, you walk into this town. Um, you already know that you have this letter of meeting, you know, Garbor the Gnome, right? And you need to go rescue the the stone of Agaham because that stone is what's going to save the kingdom of Yargmoth, right? So, you know, I can come up with this awesome story or whatever. And if you decide as a player, okay, I don't really want to do that. I want to go, you know, I just want to go sail the seas into the, you know, the seven seas of, you know, Farnham, right? And be like, okay, cool. And I, the, a lot of that is more improv style on my side where I can, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty decent at improv where, Okay, so you want to do this, and then, okay, you know, give me a little bit, I'll think of, okay, so this happens instead. So, really trying to figure out your DM style is important. You know, play around, you know, which way do you want to do? Do you want to be the sort of narrator where you're going to narrate a lot of the actions and all that stuff? I like giving my players agency, right? I want them to feel like they're in control of their own destiny. I don't want to have some pre-planned story of where they have to follow this or else the campaign's not happening. Now, there are Now there are a lot of different ways of handling that. So you can give the illusion of choice as well too. So let's say you have this villain, right? You want your players to go after that villain because they did a bad thing, right? Let's say the villain destroyed a town or the villain you know, took a very expensive treasure from a noble and the noble wants you to get it back, right? You know, you have a few ways to go about this. If you really want your players to go after that villain, have the villain do something so awful, right? Um, so awful that it forces the players to go after the villain, or at least it would for force their characters to feel compelled to go after the villain, you know? Um, an example would be, I had a villain... Um, what was it? Basically, so the first town that I mentioned, Sika, I had the the big bad guy of the the campaign destroy that town in like a blink of an eye. He was an extremely powerful godlike wizard who was trying to ascend to godhood, and the villain was trying to get some of the players on his side, and he did succeed on getting some of the players. Um, on his side and and there was at one point where some of them I'd have to look through the notes but some of them defied him and all that so he just leveled the town that they started in and what made it really you know personal was a lot of the players came to know and love that town but it was essentially the reason why I decided to destroy it was because they were pretty much done with that town they did everything they could you know they saved it from war they saved it from destruction but now the villain is going to do something so personal to them where they feel like all right we have to go after you at this point I mean a, a lot more stuff happened you know pff, I could probably create whole episodes of just talking about the the note the quest that they went on during that whole campaign because there was a lot of awesome stuff that happened i will say that for sure um 
so yes you as the dm you can make the villain do something so awful that it forces them to go after the villain the problem with that is it could make the players feel like they have no choice we want to be able to create that illusion of choice for players they could decide not to go after the villain but then it leaves it up to chance that the villain could come back stronger than ever or they can deal with the villain now so another thing you can try to do is say you want them to go after this villain but right now they're like no we don't feel like he's a or they're a threat right now um, we can go back and maybe deal with the villain at another time. So what you can do as a DM, if you really want them to go after this villain and they say, oh, okay, so the villain is at Castlevania. Um, so do you want to go there? And the players are like, no, we'd rather go explore the cave of wonders, right? Okay, cool. So you have them go explore the cave of wonders and maybe you can try to push in there that oh so this also happens to be not really a hideout or layer for the villain and his cronies but maybe there's something the villain wants or needs or or there's something left by the villain there that makes the players more compelled to go after the villain but you want to be a little bit careful you don't want to just shove it in their face and make it feel like they have to go after this villain if they just keep going over and over like no we don't care about going after this villain okay cool um you know wash your hands of it maybe make the villain stay in his cat and stay in their castle and they become stronger and maybe they just go rule some lands while the the players are like okay cool we're gonna go um over to the elven forest instead and just hang out there you know as least that's how i've always felt as a dm i don't like forcing my players into something they don't want to do like i said i want them to create that illusion of choice that that agency of free will where you know they feel like they can explore the game and make the world come to life but you know sometimes you as a dm have to be convincing enough to make them go after that villain, right? So sometimes it's a very fine line you have to walk when DMing a campaign, right? I find this harder to do when you're doing a pre-written campaign because most of the time you want your players to finish the game and get to the end of the book for the majority, depending on which D&D book or even not just D&D, whatever RPG book you're doing. As a DM, you feel compelled to push them on to get to the next point. With a homebrew campaign, depending on the story you've come up with, you may find it easier to make the campaign feel a little bit more like an open world. So to elaborate a little bit on that, um, if you know what West March's campaigns are, it's pr it's a pretty similar style of what I've come up with with this campaign that I did for 10 years. Where a West March's campaign is essentially you have this world, you, you have a general idea of a world as a DM, and the players will come and go and they'll basically have a hub town right think of it like world of warcraft where the hub town is stormwind city right and you give them quests to okay you need to go explore you know elwyn forest and then go to westfall and red ridge mountains and go defeat the orcs over there okay um you know the, and so the players play that those quests come back and then it's like, oh, well, we can't make it for next week, but, you know, we've got we've got Jane and Bob coming in next week and they can start new characters and play in the same world and continue on with other different quests. It doesn't have to be a streamlined campaign or a streamlined story. So that's similar to the way I DM this campaign here. Um, there was an overarching story. Everything did connect like 
we were trying to create this world and we tried to make, you know, these towns and cities and, you know, huge countrysides connect in some way and make sure that whatever a previous player did and, you know, couple sessions ago that it did a, have a ripple effect right and that's sort of similar to what Westmarch's campaigns can do as well so you sort of want to figure out you know I, I guess as a dm as a first time dm i would lean more towards pre-written campaigns just to really get a feel for the mechanics and the rules for the system but if you want to i guess get better at DMing I guess in terms of whatever your style is like if you want to be able to become a better narrator and a better you know improv 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 improvisation improvisation bleh, I can't say that word for some reason um you know maybe doing a homebrew campaign and creating the world and creating like basic facts about you know each town and province and all that might be a little bit more suited towards you to really get that improv down. Um, either way of DMing is perfectly fine. A linear campaign or a non-linear open world campaign. If your players are enjoying themselves, that's all that really matters, right? Um, but as a DM, you want to make sure you're enjoying yourself as well too. Because it's not just the players that need to have fun, but you yourself need to have fun. Um, you know, one of the best things about being a DM, and I have, will say this is tried and true, is your players will always surprise you on their choices. You can try to come up with a story and try to make sure you have every single avenue down, you have every single possible choice the players may make down, but you never are going to. Your players are always going to one-up you in some way. Um, and with knowing that ahead of time and knowing that with all my experience I find myself doing a lot less DM prep nowadays but it wasn't always like that I used to spend hours and hours and days and weeks you know leading up to our next session of okay this is what's going to happen you know these are the characters I want to introduce these are you know the towns and cities I want you all to go to and now what I do is I will still come up with towns, cities, and NPCs and all that, but if they happen to not run into them or they happen to not go to that town, okay, cool. Well, I've got all these other places that I've come up with too. Let's use that as well. Oh, okay, you don't want to visit any of that? Okay, well, I'm just going to start making stuff up on the fly and boom, this is what's going to happen. Um, you know, it's not always perfect that way. Obviously, you want some sort of plan for the session you don't want to just go in there thinking okay i don't know what's going to happen so what do you all want to do for the campaign right no you want to have some sort of idea when you're dming especially for your first time um you know as i said before your players are always going to surprise you you know one example is and this is where the dm's own words can bite you in the butt um so there was one time i had the two players were I just had two players in a session and they got captured by some orcs I think I don't remember the exact details but they got captured and they got sent into this prison that was underground in a cave and I forgot to say the orcs took all your stuff at the same time one of them was a magic user and so one of the players asked well did they take our gear or anything and you know if I wanted to be mean 
you know, I like to eat my own words. If I didn't say they took your stuff, then you kept your gear, obviously. So I made a huge mistake and you will make mistakes as a DM and that's okay. That's okay to make mistakes because what happened here was pretty funny because when he realized, okay, they didn't take my stuff. Okay. So I have this fire staff and it can basically, I can't remember exactly what it did, but he could basically make the staff heat up. So they had, and so he asked what kind of doors the, the jail cell was. It was like, okay, well they're iron doors, right? So, and th they weren't bars. It was just like a big giant iron door with a little window slit that he could look out of. So what he was doing was he was faking sick or something like that. And, but he put his fire staff up against the door to heat up the door. So when one of the orcs opened up, they got burned. And so they just rushed in and we're going to start beating them up. But they, since they had all their equipment and gear, they managed to overpower the orcs and escape. So that was an example of a mistake I made. You know, you as a DM, you need to make sure that if your players are going to be captured, you their gear is being taken away. You and it's I could have said, oh, no, well, you just assume they took your gear. There are some times where I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to eat my words and let's see what happens. It may be a funny thing that happens if I say, no, they forgot to take your gear because these orcs are dumb as hell. Right. I mean, it's not like most orcs are that smart anyway. So I guess for all this, the next bit of advice I can give and the last bit of advice I can give for being, you know, for your first DM session is don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to experiment. Just essentially don't be afraid. If you were playing with all new players, like you and your friends are all new to RPGs, you're all going to have a great time. Don't try to be too controlling. Don't try to be the one who is saying, no, you can't do that all the time. I mean, if it's something ridiculous, like, yeah, I want my fighter to do, you know, five backflips in the air and cut off a dragon's head in one fell swoop and they're only level one. No, I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. But don't tell them no if it's in within reason, right? You want the the best thing is you want them to have fun and keep coming back and you want yourself to have fun as well too you know the dm is the arbiter of the rules they're the referee they're not the end all be all fun comes first before rules more than anything but you don't also want it to be a little bit ridiculous at the same time you don't want them to one shot everything so that's my best bit of advice don't be afraid because you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be perfect. Learn to let go of that control and do your best as a DM and welcome to the world of DMing. If you're already a DM right now, you know, what's your favorite thing about being a DM? Why do you keep being a DM? You know, what keeps you wanting to be a DM over a player? I have been a DM way more than I have been a player. While I do enjoy playing, I love the fact of creating stories and creating these worlds and creating these adventures for players because there is a lot of stuff I come up with in this messed up head of mine that I just want to share out there, right? And that is probably the biggest thing that keeps me continually being a DM and I enjoy the hell out of it. So I hope you like this episode. 
I enjoy I enjoy the hell out of doing this. And my next episode, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be about yet. I have a few ideas floating around, but I hope to come back. And as I've said before, these episodes, there's not going to be a set release schedule or anything like that. These episodes are take me a little bit longer because I want to really try to hone in and focus a little bit more on these episodes and do a little bit more research. Like if I'm doing a book review or if I'm doing a review of an RPG system, I want to do a little bit more research than my weekly Magic the Gathering podcast. Um, Not that I don't research for those, but obviously I I can pump those out a lot quicker. Um, So like I said, if you want to be able to reach me, you can find me on facebook.com slash magicwithzuby, on Twitter at magicwithzuby, on Instagram at magic underscore with underscore Zuby. You can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com and you can check out the show's Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. I would like to thank again legitmtg.com for sponsoring this new show and thank you all and have a great night.